Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, welcome to Ida, where we address how you can ideate, decide, act on the business topics we talk about in each episode and apply them to your own startup. My name is Varika Pinnam. And I'm Ganika Pinnam. We're the founders of Ida, Ideate, Decide, Act. At Ida, we connect female founders to investors, one-on-one mentoring, and resources to help grow their business. Today's episode is a really special one because a few weeks ago, we did a video session with Impaction. Impaction is a company that helps job seekers find positions in the social impact space. So we were invited to host a session with Impaction about how to start businesses in 2021 and the journey of women entrepreneurs and some of the struggles and ups and downs faced in entrepreneurship. So this episode is the audio from that video session, and we're talking about how to really start your business in 2021 and going over our tips and strategies. And you'll hear more as the founder of Impaction, Shivani, interviews us about our journey with entrepreneurship as female founders. So let's get right into it. So like we were mentioning, uh, we're the founders of Ida, and we'd just like to talk a little bit first about like why we founded Ida and stuff. So um, a year or so ago, um, we actually were talking about, like I actually have a background working in startups when I was in college. And when Rika also has a background working with startups and we especially work closely with women entrepreneurs and founders. And throughout that journey, I know a lot of times we kept hearing, you know, it's so hard to find investors. Uh, We don't know where to start. It's very overwhelming and stuff. And that really spoke to us because even when you know we always talked about starting a business and stuff and we realized just about how hard it is and we realized just how many women out there have the same problem so that's when we uh, started ida to make going from idea to mvp as fast and as simple and actually as clear as possible to women out there so they can start on their dream yeah exactly and you know like talking about the struggles that are faced by women entrepreneurs it's 70% of them are lacking capital and 48% are lacking mentors and 33% of women entrepreneurs just feel a lack of support overall, which when you think about the number of female founders in this country, which is over 12 million, and they represent 30% of entrepreneurs, they only get 2.2% of funding, which maybe you've heard of in the news, right? And 
that is such a big discrepancy that that's one of the problems we're trying to solve with Ida. So that's why we're here today and we're really excited to share with you. And so with that said, we, since we're talking about how to create companies with ease and reducing the capital, we're going to talk about how to build your product or service in a much scalable, faster way. And that is through an MVP. So an MVP, if you're not familiar, stands for a minimum viable product. And the reason we always talk about this is because we see so many founders like that want to join Ida that send us applications or, you know, pitching us their business. People get really stuck in trying to be perfect and build a perfect company. And they're trying to, you know, stay locked up and build the entire company before they ever launch. So we always talk about building an MVP, which is just enough features to attract early adopters. So you don't want to put the extra frills and bells and whistles in there and just make it the key functionality of the product or service. So this really, really helps founders avoid that perfectionist mindset and also working in the dark, right? Because when you're just building a company with no exterior feedback, you're in the dark about what your consumers actually want. And that's one of the number one reasons why companies fail is because there's no product market fit. There's no need for the product in the market. And you're not going to find that out until you launch early and often. So that's why we really recommend building an MVP. And this also helps save you a lot of time. And also that kind of initial stock phase where you're not getting any customers and you're wondering if this is even working. Um, we would hate for other people to feel like that. And everything we're sharing, it's because we experienced it. So we went, we spent a lot of time thinking about how to build Ida and thinking that it had to be perfect and thinking that we couldn't launch until everything was done, but that was just the wrong concept to have in mind. Yeah. So now we're trying to encourage other people not to do that. And also I feel like uh, a lot of women entrepreneurs and stuff we spoke to too, you know, they like to make it perfect. They like to add all their features, which are great. You know, these are great features that you do want to add later on. But I think initially to get started, it will save you a lot of time and money too, because all of these things, uh, starting a business is going to take you a lot of your savings and a lot of money. So just going with the most minimal viable product is how we could save all those things. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the misconceptions that we hear often from women that are you know, telling us about their business or about the idea of wanting to start a business is they think they can't start until they quit their job. They think they can't start mm -hmm. until they, you know, expend all their savings because people have this misconception that you could only start because you need to work 80 hours a week and it's like a huge burnout or you need to invest so much money into it, but there are cheaper ways of getting things done and faster ways, mm -hmm. which is what we're trying to raise more awareness around. So with that said, um, when, once you've built your MVP, you know, you want to launch and test. So how are you going to build this MVP, right? So we have a lot of tools that we've come across that we want to share with you all. So these tools that we're going to recommend right now have really helped a lot of entrepreneurs that we've talked to that people might not be aware of. So if you're trying to build a website, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people have heard of Wix, but there's other drag and drop interface software that you can use like Duda and Webflow, which are really great for building websites. And a lot of people struggle with this part and they think that they have to hire someone out or code it from scratch. And you really don't need to do that, especially in the early phases. You could literally just do a landing page and an email signup list. And also if you're trying to build apps, and I know several women that want to build apps or software products, but don't know how to code. So there's actually no code options that you can use to build apps such as Bubble and AppyPie and Backendless. So if you're in that boat of wanting to build an app, but you have no idea how to get started, 
we highly recommend checking those out because in the beginning, hiring software developers is going to be a, a long haul, not even just from the financial yeah, standpoint. It's very expensive. Right. Yeah. And also just finding someone who's suitable for your team. Like we always say, you before you get someone as a co-founder or like even someone for your team, you really, really want to be picky. Um, sometimes people make the mistake that because they're early, they think that they don't have options. They think that they can't be picky about who they're bringing onto their team, but that can make or break you. So you should be picky. So don't like jump the gun in the beginning about hiring someone um, because you think that you need someone to develop the app or product. In fact, it's not recommended that you spend a bunch of money developing it. That's one of the mistakes we see a lot too is before people have even validated their idea, they go out and spend a lot of money trying to build the idea. So it's really, really important that you get an MVP out there first and validate the idea. So talking about validating the idea is when you launch and test your product. All right, but right before you launch and test your products, I always say get your few ducks in a row. And these are some things that it's really, it's really good to have right before you start, right? Like your legal documents, terms and user agreements and stuff. Now this, a lot of times I see women entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general going out, spending a lot of money on lawyers and hiring them and you know, for all these, because they want it to be like really great and of course really protect themselves, which totally makes sense. I mean, all of us do, right? It's our business. We do want to protect it and stuff. But initially for an MVP, you can go for other alternatives like Rocket Lawyer or Avodocs, which are much more affordable. And also like they're enough for you to test out your product. They're, they'll protect you enough until you're ready to go. And after that, of course, go ahead and hire yourself a lawyer. But initially you don't have to put your resources and your limited money you have into something like a lawyer. And the next one is to uh, write out your ad copy and call to actions and stuff. This is important because as you're going, you don't want to, you know, whip it up right in the end because trust me, we have done it a couple of times and it's, it takes long hours and it's really hectic and it causes a lot of anxiety that you can avoid by just having a few copies written out right before you launch. Of course, as you're going on, you might have to write more copies, which is great, but having these will like have be you'll be on time much more. Same thing with email funnels and stuff, having that nurtured journey written out and having those written out means that you can save a lot of time. And as you're growing your email list, you can send them out and not worry about, okay, what do I do next? I have all these people and leave them like, you know, not nurtured, just leave them hanging there for a while. You do want to keep in touch with them. And that's a mistake that we made in the beginning too, is we were just growing our email list, but we were not keeping in touch with them, like the newsletter that we have now, right? Um, which actually like hurts your long-term, you know, uh, brand and reputation. So we really recommend that you do this ahead of time so that you're not stressed out when you're in the thick of it. Exactly. And same thing with creating feedback surveys and stuff. This is again really important because the whole point of an MVP is you're trying to test out does it work and what works and what doesn't work really well. So you can always go back and change your feedback survey and make tweaks, but having that layout done ahead of time means you can send it out to people right away. And of course, uh, what we even recommend is jumping on quick calls uh, with uh, some of your target market and talking with them, which would be great. But say that you can't uh, do that, but you know some people won't be able to jump on a call with you. Setting up the service is always a great um, idea. And the next one is to have an email, like a contact email ready to go. And this is a mistake that we see often is that people tend to use their personal email uh, for all of their business purposes, whether it's you know filling out applications, grants, and you know send, 
answering customer emails and stuff. Um, that's usually not a good practice for a lot of reasons is that, you know, you want to sound professional, you want to set yourself as, as a serious business to start with. And it's really good to, you know, have that email that you check every day, multiple times a day, that's, you know, particularly for your business and not mixing in with other ones. The next one is having a refund policy and payment process all set up, right? Um, if it is a for-profit business, you do want these things uh, read, like ready to go. You might run into a few glitches in this too, but having that done means that the customer is going to have a much smoother journey, right? And list out all the launch plans and outreaches with a schedule. Now, this is not to say this is a strict one where you're gonna have to follow it. A lot of times where even for us, it happened so that we had to tweak a schedule, but having that done, we knew what was coming up next and what needs to be done ahead of time. And probably the most important thing that I would say in all of this is to map out your customer journey from before and after purchase. That is from end to end, all the way to when your customer sees your uh, social media posts or your ad, to all the way to when they get their uh, feedback survey have that journey listed out in fact like we even say like get like a poster board and draw it out and have it in front of you so that you know you know how they're going through it in fact go through that yourself ask your friend or a family member to like you know be in a customer's shoes and like go through it so that right before you launch you'll avoid any major pitfalls you might come across a few pitfalls and that's okay but you know you'll avoid anything major which will set you back yeah, absolutely. Um, been there, done that. So make sure you actually go through the entire sequence beforehand. And as far as payment process, I just want to throw a couple out there that, you know, small business owners or people that are just starting out with building a company can use. So things like Stripe or Square, if you've never heard of that before, um, Square will actually send you like a free, if you're doing a physical product or you're setting up a physical area, um, will send you a free payment processor. And they also have business debit cards now. So a bunch of things in the work. So definitely recommend checking out Square, which is what we use, and Stripe as well. Okay, so now creating your compelling offer. So let's say you know you created your MVP and you've got all your ducks in a row and you're ready to launch. So something about creating a compelling offer that brings in those early adopters, right? So this is all about getting your business out there early and not thinking about the long game like people always think well this is not how i might want my product to be so i don't feel comfortable putting it out there but if you don't put it out there when it's kind of a mess you're never going to feel comfortable in the later stages because you're going to have to deal with much bigger problems down the line so about creating a compelling offer there's different techniques that you can use to get those early adopters in the door so i'm going over a few of them like a free webinar you've probably signed up for a bunch of online events right like education marketing is a great way to build trust with your audience and actually bring them in into your community so try doing free webinars or free virtual events or something like that um, even giveaways or raffles now you don't want to do this where it's so broad so we see sometimes people make the mistake where they pick their freebie or their giveaway to something that appeals to everyone, right? So if you do a gift card, like a Visa gift card, for example, that's gonna appeal to pretty much everyone and it's not gonna bring in your exact target audience. So you, you wanna make sure that whatever you're giving away is really suited to your audience. So for example, at Ida, let's say that we wanted to do a giveaway, right? We would pick something that is appealing to entrepreneurs and is actually helpful for them. So we instead of maybe doing like, a Visa gift card, we might do a subscription to an entrepreneurial service or like a premium subscription to a marketing tool or something like that, that is actually pertinent to people that run their own businesses, right? So you want to make sure you're being specific there. 
and also get testimonials and guest posts. And this is one of those things where you're going to get it if you ask for it. So don't just lean back and wait for emails to come in unless you've done something extremely good or extremely bad people. That's just psychology. People don't go out of their way to send messages or reach out to customer service or something like that. So you need to ask for those early user testimonials and testimonials literally will skyrocket the rest of your launch because that's the power of social proof and it's like proven in studies over and over again. So make sure you're asking for testimonials and yeah, offer incentives for someone being your early adopter. So when someone is trusting you in that early stage of business, when you don't have it perfect and you kind of launch something scrappy like an MVP, they're trusting you and they have faith in you, right? So you want to give them something selective for them being part of that group. So either a bonus or a discount on your future launch, or maybe they get an extended access to it or something like that, or lifetime access, or maybe if you're selling a physical product and not a software, you throw in some freebies in there when you ship it out or like a handwritten note. You really want to make your brand stand out in their mind. And in the early phases, you have time to do this. So don't make the mistake of not doing something in the beginning because you think, well, that's not how my business is not is going to scale. When I have thousands of customers, I won't be able to do handwritten notes. By doing that is how you're going to get to thousands of customers because you want to build that brand relationship early. So we really, really recommend doing that and paying attention to your customers and letting their voice become a part of your business. It's really important. And so with all of that said, we have so much more information that we want to share. So if you're interested, we put together a workbook actually for this session. So if you want, you can go download it at bit.ly slash IDA workbook. So that's bit.ly slash IDA IDA workbook. And inside this workbook, we have like more prompts and workbook questions that will help kind of guide you through this entire process and more that we weren't able to cover. And we also put some email templates in there because we know that cold emails are really hard for people. So we put some email templates in there as well as our recommendations for the top high quality free tools that you can use to build your business. Because we know that one of the biggest challenges for women entrepreneurs is there's so much stuff out there that it can be overwhelming to distill down to exactly what you need to be doing. So we put our top recommendations in there as well. So we really recommend that you download this workbook just by visiting that link. And with that, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, if, uh, for more information, you can find us at thinkida.com. Yeah, absolutely. Or just give us an email at varika at thinkida.com. Or, or ganika at thinkida.com. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, ladies. That was very informative, um, especially for me. And I will be sure to send out, you know, your information to the people on this call so you can schedule calls or anything afterwards as well. So what are some of the um, challenges that you faced as women entrepreneurs? Tell us some of your personal struggles. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go first here. <laughs> I think um, one of the things we talk about sometimes, I think I even did like a podcast about this, where I mentioned this, but sometimes when we pitch this idea to, you know, a group of people, of course, with any idea, you're going to face like some people that love it and some people that don't. But sometimes we get like a more polar reaction because we were trying to do something for women entrepreneurs, right, which is a more underserved niche of the market. So we've had someone say to us, women are not worth investing in, which was pretty tough to hear. Um, and then also sometimes people say, well, why aren't men included? And we're not trying to say that men aren't included. Like I'm sure 
that there's men in your community and we welcome men into the community as like our investors or mentors but we're trying to create a safe space for women entrepreneurs but of course like the ideas of male entrepreneurs are valued in our community so it's not that so i think that's been a struggle as far as like the mindset and perception of people around this and then of course the struggles we just mentioned where we so we actually started Ida. it's approaching two years now but we didn't work on it for a good like four or five months where we were just kind of sitting on it not yeah. knowing what to do so it's kind of the stuff that we just presented to you where we didn't figure that out until later and we were just kind of like okay well someone tell us what to do now <laughs> so. yeah i think i would say that we're in the ideation phase for a long time that's the reason i always say like we were about like a year or something old but the truth is you know it's just because we've been working on it and we're trying to make it perfect and you know been presenting it to a lot of people where they're like oh but fix this do this do that and you know we really appreciate all that feedback and i think it actually would have started with us just you know focusing on that one little thing and then MVP. Driving, building out that MVP would have helped us uh, grow more quicker. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that personal sentiment, you know, I can resonate with that in the amount of, you know, investments that actually happen. Like, and I, I was just looking up some stats and in 2018, we found that, you know, less than 6% of women owned firms actually generated revenues of 250k or more. But, you know, the there's actually a huge uptick of women who started firms in the last, you know, seven to 10 years. But the problem is that 90% of women owned businesses are um, society, like sole, solo entrepreneurs. So they're creating more of like education-based nonprofits and professional services and healthcare, but hiring, you know, only 10% of those entrepreneurs end up hiring people to grow their team. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the system that you've seen um, around this and how it only perpetuates the fact that there is less funding going to women entrepreneurs and venture capitalists, you know, they're looking for people, um, for entrepreneurs who can grow a business that are that can generate more than $1 billion of revenue. But sometimes it feels like, you know, we may get in our own way in the types of businesses that we end up starting um, because we want to stay small and have that, you know, sort of safety net. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the system that you're seeing around this issue? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this on the news, but Quibi uh, failed right after six months after launching. Mm -hmm. And they raised more money than all female entrepreneurs in the year of 2019 combined, which mm -hmm. is crazy. So it was like $1.9 billion for Quibi and I think 1.8 for female entrepreneurs or something like that. So um, that is ridiculous, right? And they actually failed, I mean, which is heartbreaking for any entrepreneur. So like no one should have to go through that. But during that same period, women entrepreneurs were generating 67% more revenues for their investors or you know returns on the investment so shivani like you mentioned it is statistically that female entrepreneurs tend to lean towards more of those lifestyle businesses local businesses that are smaller because they wanted to be smaller and something that i've noticed a lot is a lot of women start businesses out of wanting to satisfy some kind of personal need so either a side hustle or to support family or something like that Whereas men are perceived to be more visionaries, right? They're perceived that they want to disrupt something. So they get a lot more leeway in terms of something going really well or really bad. Whereas women don't get that leeway. So if you screw something up, you're kind of labeled as like 
oh, like a failed entrepreneur, but men don't get that same kind of label. So yeah, like you said, we're definitely seeing that because, because women are opting to choose go for small businesses, they get less funding, which is kind of the thing yeah. that we've heard. And another thing I want to add to that is a lot of times we see that women value their companies when it comes to evaluation at a very like much lower. They undercut themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. And that way you're underselling yourself. You should be really robust and really proud and you know just overvalue it too at some <laughs> points because no, why not? Because you are, you're projecting it what's going to be five, 10 years from now, you're not doing it exactly at that minute. And where we've seen a lot of men, you know, companies, um, no, some are great. I'm just saying is that other ones where you see their their value their company by a lot. And you're like, where did that value exactly come from? Because you know, you're looking at the numbers and stuff and you're like, but that doesn't exactly match because what they are doing is they're valuing their company what it would be five years down the road. And women are doing is they're valuing it right now and they're being a little bit more conservative. And that doesn't, I guess, show the investors the big numbers that they're looking for, you know? So yeah so right that's something that even we had to go through that's a personal story is that we've undercut ourselves and undervalued ourselves and you know now we're like you know what we need to redo that we need to you know project ourselves into the future yeah and a big takeaway for anyone watching this because i know that impaction is about job seekers and like social impact job seekers so for the job seekers out there uh, one big statistic that kind of came out that we learned over the past couple years is that if you know, someone sees a job posting, women will not apply unless they match 100% of the requirements. Yes. And men will apply if they match about 40%. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and as, you know, women ourselves, we can totally attest to that. Like when we were applying for jobs and things like that, if we felt like, oh, we don't have three years of experience in marketing, we have two. Yeah, we have one. <laughs> yeah, one. We won't apply, but men will apply if they hit even a few of the bullet points. And that's actually a huge psychological difference that really, really affects like how people are approaching opportunities. So mm-hmm. for the job seekers in the impaction community, we really recommend you just apply even if you match a few of it. And in fact, statistically, the person that interviews you is not the person that made the job mm-hmm. posting. They don't even know what the skills, because the job posting is usually made by a recruiter and the person interviewing you doesn't care about the difference between four years of that experience or two years. So just yeah. apply. Yeah. Yeah, and oh my God, that's so true. You know, because we've been trying to find hiring managers itself, like themselves to be job creators for our portal, we found that, you know, um, this reigns true between men and women where men will just look at the first bullet point and just apply right away. And then women will look not only at the requirements, but the qualifications, what the day-to-day job is going to be. They'll look through the entire description from, you know, from the start to the finish. I'm no exception. I do the same thing. Yeah. So it is true. And at a certain point, you, you do undervalue yourself um, at a certain point, but you're absolutely right. I think, uh, especially as job seekers, it's just more important that you are able to go on the learning curve and know that there is a learning curve with any job. Um, and it's important to, you know, just put your best foot forward in that way. So yeah, that's, that's a really good tidbit. Um, and I also see that Sujata posted a question in the group. Uh, how does IDA or IDA spread the word about its, about its services? What can we do? do to promote and support your efforts well that's really sweet thank you sujata for asking so um one of our biggest kind of channels of communication and building community is through our newsletter so 
Um, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website, like Ganika mentioned, thinkida.com. And we would love for you. Oh, you did. Thank you. Uh, you just signed up. So we would love for more women to get, and even men too, because we have a lot of men in our community as well, um, to get on that newsletter. It's bi-weekly and we don't believe in like spam and all of that. So we only send really valuable content, like grants that are coming up, mm -hmm. events, free virtual events, like, and we focus on not just like the hustle and like that might part of entrepreneurship, but even like events for entrepreneurship mindset and things like that. Yeah. So we really, really recommend uh, signing up for that newsletter and not being biased and <laughs> letting your friends know about it as well. Definitely. And I'll put the link to the, their website, um, in, in the YouTube, uh, video session too, and then we'll send it out to the community. Thank you. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, imposter syndrome and how that reigns true for a lot of women entrepreneurs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think maybe even you can relate to that, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. like, we, we want to start something big and we're doing all this and we're like, okay, but I can't really do that because I'm not a developer. What if it doesn't look as great? Or, you know, what if I can't go ask for that money because, you know, I'm not there yet and stuff. And even, you know, those are like the small and nitpicky details, but in general, you're like, oh, can I even start and grow this business and like be a manager of all these people when I have never done that before? You know, then you feel really like, you feel anxious, first of all. You're like, can I even do that? Next of all, it's almost like, what am I doing? Am I supposed to be doing this? You know, I probably should do this maybe 10, 20 years down the road when I have all the experience and I feel more confident wanting to do this. But the truth is a lot of these things come through your actual experience. Like you'll learn, you'll fall a lot of times like we have, and then you'll learn, okay, this is how you'll grow the team. This is how you're supposed to talk to the people in your team and manage it or grow your business and approach your audience. Those things you learn as you go and it's okay to make those small mistakes and like when you get that imposter syndrome, like we would say that, you know, don't really listen to it. And I know it's really hard not to listen, <laughs> don't listen to, to it. it. <laughs> but um, I guess focus on your vision and focus on the person that you want to be, not the person you are now usually helps a lot more, right? Because that's what I tend to do is like, yeah, but, but the person I want to be knows how to do that. So I'm going to go learn how to do that. Um, and, you know, and if it's okay, if I make the mistakes, but yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I just add like, I think because I'm a lot younger than the people that we manage on our team. So sometimes I definitely feel weird um, and have this imposter syndrome about telling people what to do when I'm younger than them, even though I know what I'm doing. So I just feel weird about that. Right. So um, I just try to um, some of the tips that I've received is one you like, it's really silly, but you kind of like what Nico is talking about the person you want to be. So you kind of step into a different version of yourself so you just before you're like i'm not like the me i'm like a different version of me before this meeting and the other the other thing that one of my friends recommended is you need to remember that whoever you're talking to is a person human being just like you and they have the same emotions so just because someone has a bigger title doesn't mean that they don't experience human emotions in fact sometimes a level of success can even breed more of those emotions because you're you have more to lose, right? So um, I would say like to women that are facing this imposter syndrome, when you're getting on mentor calls or investor calls, remember that the person on the other side of the table has the same frustrations of you. They probably don't want to be on a video call just as much as you. So <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. And even, you know, your language really determines uh, your confidence as well. So 
I tend to see, especially for myself, and we have a team of women, it just happens to be that way. We end up saying we a lot to our accomplishments, we as a team, instead of even if it's an individual, you know, it's normal to say I and be okay with saying I. Um, but even, you know, small language changes and it changes your mindset a little bit that way as well. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, you know, societal expectations. You know, I, um, I'm South Asian, I'm Indian, and creating something that is quote unquote risky, um, and even being a woman, person of color, starting a, a business, there are a lot of hurdles that come with that. So have you faced any challenges with, you know, societal expectations maybe from uh, people in your circle, and how have you overcome them? Yeah, so thankfully, um, so we're also South Asian and clearly women of color and we're Indian. And thankfully, like our family's been really supportive. Um, so we can't like complain about that. They've just been really supportive about that. Um, but I think one of the societal expectations that comes about is one thing that we hear is like, because we're family and we're sisters, like people usually expect there to be like co-founder conflict or something like that. Because one of the biggest reasons for companies breaking apart or um, one of the biggest things that investors look at is actually the team and the strength of the team and also like how strong is the team working together. So sometimes it can be a benefit to be family, of course, but then there's also this kind of expectation that because your family's like not as serious or, you know, um, maybe there could be co-founder conflict and stuff that breaks it apart. So def there's definitely that. And as far as starting a business, I think, and Ganika, you can weigh in on this. I don't think that um, it's like normal in our culture, I guess, for people to be like full time on this. Um, people generally expect that you get a job and stuff. So I think there is some of that, but of course we're trying to, you know, break that yeah. expectation. And the other thing I wanted to add is, um, I don't know if, uh, if any of you have gone through this, where we didn't really tell a lot of people initially because the pressure of like, what if I fail? What if like in like in the beginning, like I screw up big time and you know it goes really bad and everybody's like, oh look, you just started without knowing anything of what happened. So uh, no joke, we we literally did not tell as many people that we didn't have to tell as you know until like months. Yeah, in, like, I guess in the social like our group, um, until like way I had like months months later. Yeah, like six months. Felt that pressure on us. Um, we're like we're not ready yet, but now we're just like you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna say it and do because it. At the end of the day, the best thing that we've done is to start this and be really stubborn about it. Um, and it is a learning process. We don't take it to more than that. Yeah. No, that's a definitely good point. We kept a secret for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think I did as well. <laughs> um, so you talked about, you know, a fear of failure, right? So, you know, how strong is that fear of failure to you? Um, and, you know, for me, I use fear of failure as a motivator for me to push more. But can you tell us a little bit about both sides of what it means to um, have a fear of failure and maybe even share the positives of, um, you know, having this sort of mentality and what it means to be an entrepreneur living with this mindset? Yeah, okay, I'll go ahead. All right. So talking about the mentality, um, one thing I will say is, when you have this fear of failure, it kind of prevents a lot of people from taking action. But 
Um, you should never let fear be the thing that stops you from taking action. One of the best things I heard, and this was right before um, giving a pitch, right? That I was looking it up. And fear is just excitement without the breath. And I always, always think about this. So the emotion, like the heightened state of adrenaline that you get from fear is just excitement, but you're not, it's like you're not breathing. You're not in control of it. Whereas in excitement, you're, ex you're in front of the situation. So with fear, what I always say is try to get in front of the situation. So before fear overtakes you, you need to convince yourself that you are excited about what you're going to do. <laughs> Because it is the same emotion, it is the same state of like heightened senses and stimulated senses. It's just you're not breathing, you're you're rigid, you're tensed up. So I think that really helps. And then as far as the entrepreneur mindset, um, and like Shivani just said, like that makes you go faster, like pushes you to do more. Um, as an entrepreneur, I mean, as easy as it is to say, you cannot be afraid of failure because you will fail. And in fact, in the beginning, like I remember if you got rejected by something, I would be so devastated. I'm like, oh my gosh. But now it's just like, you just swipe and delete that email and on to the next, you know? <laughs> so um, you have to know that you'll fail. In fact, get like, get your failures out of the way in the beginning because everyone has failed. Like literally every successful company, even the ones that you think are an overnight success, they have failed so much. And, and they've made mistakes. Yeah. Like the companies that you see, like for example, like MailChimp or something like that or Airbnb, you think, oh wow, like it just, you know, became viral overnight. But a lot of startups take four years of like zero revenue before they even hit like a peak point. So it's literally like this. And then it, like, that's why they call it a hockey stick. It's like nothing. And then it just goes up. So you need to be okay with that phase of nothingness. And the other thing I really believe is a lot of times people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. So they're like, okay, well, this is going to go south at some point. I'm just waiting to see, oh, when will it go south, right? So it's really important that you shift that mindset to be, it, I will have a breakthrough and something good will come out of this because it's just as easy to choose one thought or the other. Yeah, definitely. And perspective is everything, right? Like if you are afraid of whatever the new project you're about to start or, you know, some new entry you're about to take in your business, I always go man, a couple of years ago, I would kill for this chance. I wanted to be in these shoes. I wanted to be in that moment, just do this thing. So, and also a lot of people would love to be in my shoes and take on this opportunity or start this venture. So you know what? Fail I might, but that's okay. At least I had the chance and the opportunity to be in those shoes right now. So I'm just going to celebrate that and leave aside that fear. And that's actually like a moment of talking to myself in my head <laughs> convincing myself that's that's how it's going to be so it's okay do what you gotta do I love that and every time you know you do receive a yes or every time you do receive a no I think it's also very important to ask for feedback and ask for why is this the case um it's important to you know take that also with a grain of salt um because at the end of the day, you're going to receive thousands of no's. And then that one yes is going to be feel so sweet and so satisfying. And um, it's also, also because, you know, you asked why. I mean, there might be a lot of things that are going on in your head, um, making assumptions why they say no, said no and all of that. It's better to just ask. And even if they don't reply, um, it's better to just, you know, follow up with that so you do know. Um, but I, I love this. Um, you know, I have one last question for you before we wrap up, but I do want to open it up to our community. Um, do you have any thoughts, any questions, um, anything to share to these ladies? 
Thank you, Sujata, for the kind words. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, and for uh, people watching, Sujata uh, commented saying that it was a great session and uh, they gave really great insight and inspiration. So if there aren't any questions, I'll go ahead and ask my last one. Um, but what do the next you know, five or so years look like for you two ladies? What are you planning for ahead? Yeah, we're excited. Yes, <laughs> I think I'll, uh, I'll let you introduce the upcoming. <laughs> yeah, so we have a big launch coming up where we're developing a mobile app for Ida. So we're really trying to like, um, kind of, I don't want to say revolutionize, but like kind of flip the script on how people approach entrepreneurship because um, there's like a lot of like people, like human capital involved, but we're really trying to use technology to help women identify market trends and identify like what customers are thinking and also kind of act like a business advisor so you would like put in what you're working on and get automatic suggestions so that's what's in the works right now that we're super excited for so we're hoping for a prototype release this spring and that would be really exciting and over the next five years uh <laughs> i mean honestly a lot but i would really really love to once obviously we get back into in person i really like building community so i would love for us to host in-person events i think that would be really really fun yeah so. that would be really great and you know i'd like more things on a mobile app where the main reasons for failures for startups are addressed and we're able to um, you know create a space where that could be done uh, but our next actually most recent coming up uh thing is the uh course as yeah well. yeah so we have like this program that kind of helps a lot of women go from like their idea phase to like launching and stuff that we've helped a lot of women do so we're really excited to kind of relaunch that this year so. yeah whoa y'all are moving like a hundred miles a minute that's insane <laughs> <laughs> um Sajata has uh questions about where would the in-person events be based yeah, yeah so Normally we are based out of California, but we just moved to Texas. So probably in Texas um, yeah. is what I'm thinking, but anywhere really depends. <laughs> yeah, once we can host them, I mean, the world is always served, but now since we can. Oh, host you're Sujata's in North Texas, she said. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely supposed to have some in-person events this year, but obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but definitely like probably in the future, like we sponsored like a hackathon recently, so that but it was a virtual one, but mm -hmm. if it was in person, we could, you know, do giveaways and stuff like that. Yeah, we yeah. wish it was in person. We loved in-person events when we could. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so cool. I would love to attend one of those. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I mean, I want to thank, you know, you two ladies, you provide such, provided such good insight today. There was a level of vulnerability that came with the conversation as well. And I know that, you know, we had women entrepreneurs on this call and also a male entrepreneur. So thank you, Emmanuel, for joining today, too. Um, I, uh, I just wanted to open it up and ask if you have any asks from us before we close up. And then, um, you know, I'll close up the session and uh, I'll connect everyone on this call afterwards. Awesome. So our asks are, I know you guys are, you know, community of job seekers. So we are looking for um, front-end UX UI designers to design the wireframes for the app that I just talked about. So if there's anyone like that in the community, please send an email our way. And the other thing is, if there's anyone in the community that are, is in the phase of having a business idea, but not sure how to get started, send us an email. We can set up a call, you know, just about either becoming an IDA member or even 
just talking with another entrepreneur to kind of hash out the ideas in your head. I love doing that yeah. with people. So feel free to reach out. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and share with another female founder. Thanks for listening to Ida and you can find us at thinkida.com. Until next time, ideate, decide, act.